outside, beautiful leaves falling, the smell of a brisk October air. We're drinking pumpkin beers, embracing the rejuvenation. As things die, they will be born again in a mere few months. And that's about it for my NPR voice for today. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, I do have to say, as somebody who was in 85 degree weather uh, for two weeks, fuck all of this. Stone, stone escaped. <laughs> <laughs> he, fuck he. all of this. <laughs> I didn't even know what a jacket was. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Like, why is my body f- freezing and shivering? Stone was out there exploring <laughs> new new worlds and new civilizations. <laughs> he was in the in the states of Hawaii surfing. You know, beautiful blonde hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> You know, <laughs> him and Gidgets. <laughs> Shouts to all you oldies who got that reference, you boomers. Yeah, fam. So I, I, I'm a little bitter right now. Yeah, I'm a little bitter. That's the thing. It's, it's, suffering in this New York weather will make like, it so that way you can eventually make it back. Like, what, like what are we doing fire. up for your? What you are we know? doing here? Well, we're suffering. That's all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're trying to find a, a unique justice to this, to the, to the idea of us paying obnoxious rent to deal with flying cockroaches, basically. Preach. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we're back after a couple of weeks, and uh, it's been a lot of music news, actually, funny enough. Yeah. Yeah, people are rushing things in. Apparently, Jesus is King is going to come out this week, quote-unquote. Like, I wonder what the biggest odds are. I'll probably call up. I'm going to say it's probably two to one. Fuck all of that, too. <laughs> I was actually, like, you know, kind of had a little anxiety. I'm like, oh, Jesus is King is going to drop uh, as I'm going to be on vacation. We're not going to be able to talk about it. And I was checking like the Twitter from the beach, and no, no, Jesus is King is gonna drop when Christ comes back. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you see that in your iTunes, guys? Get your fucking mind right, get your soul ready, because there's about to be leftovers in this bitch. <laughs> uh, anyway, so what else? What happened recently? Uh, so going down the list, you know, recently we had we were discussing about this Rolling Loud. You know, possibly the most whitest hip hop show in the world. <laughs> that because uh, I because I got I was telling you before like um you know because I, I was visiting my parents in Long Island and so you know I'm there running the errands, being you know, doing adulting, you know, grocery shopping, yada yada yada. Then I end up in in Woodside Queens and then I'm just like, whoa, all these kids are I was hopping out and there's all these like you know you know underdressed like you know high schoolers and all these like you know obviously upper middle class white kids dressed in the Travis Scott t-shirts and where could they be going and obviously rolling fucking loud <laughs> <laughs> but uh it kind of goes to the news of where you know the Friday before rolling loud kind of started uh our favorites NYPD decided to send uh, a letter advising that five artists two artists we've reviewed here Pop Smoke and Chef G you know should not really be playing the show because of their quote unquote gang affiliation yeah, and Rolling Loud rolled over. <laughs> Excellent. That was, that was two points. You got a voice for advertising there, son. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they after they received the letter, they pulled all those R's off of the bill for the most part. And, they, you know, they tried to do some things like – during the show, I was reading about this where they like during the the breaks between artists, like they're playing, like they they instructed the DJs to play the music. <laughs> not the same, not the same. And and look, like I'm not gonna 
vouch for any of this, but it's probably like Rolling Loud's insurance company or something, some shit like that. It was like kind of, kind of like, hey, we'll pull your insurance funding or some shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. if you have these artists play, yeah, or, and it's probably a, a difficult decision for them. Yeah. Or even NYPD because NYPD can advise you. You know, same way how NYPD comes in and advises you to lower down that music, where you know damn well know the next time they come, it's not going to be an advisement. It's going to be a fucking baton and fucking lights on and people getting going home. Yeah, and, and that's the idea is where and and, and it's fucked up because. It's a threat. It's a thin line between freedom of speech, you could say, and also the idea of where NYPD could always say that, oh, we didn't. All we did was we advised them. But like you said, insurance. Like you said, the idea of where that's a veiled threat as hell, because NYPD can come up there, snap their fingers, and now your whole show's done. Yeah, no, very true, very true. And, and, and I think it's just one of those things where it now sets this, this crazy precedent where. Um, now other other police departments in other cities can now just send letters and maybe get artists <laughs> yeah. kicked off bills. Yeah, which is which really sucks. And, and I was just telling you before the podcast, I could see. I'm not trying to justify any of this. It feels like a local venue. I could see if it's SOBs. I could see if it's like whatever. I'm yeah. not. I'm not trying to Late justify. Nights, it's always gonna or, be. It's gonna know, be. Yeah, it's gonna be local kids, local local beef, yeah, possibly. Yeah, but but this and, and like again, I'm not trying to say like that 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 should justify any of this because. This is all like fucked up, but this is rolling loud. Like you said, it's like it's basically white kids from Queens and Jersey. Yeah, at this point, it's basically you know like nobody's gonna like buy two hundred dollar ticket to start beef. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> at the hip hop Coachella. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it's it's just kind of crazy that like, like now this precedent is being set, and 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 now you know like I I forgot which artist like one of the artists is like look I'm just trying like said like this is I rap about this stuff, but this is not like what I do on a day to day basis. I don't have gang affiliations. I'm just, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Like like the the kids, the thirteen year old white kids wanna hear the gang affiliations. But he's like, I'm not affiliated with any of that. I have a kid, I'm just trying to do my deal. I, I forgot which rapper said that. It's like so it's just it's almost, you know, what we were talking about earlier too. It's just like Again, like there's this myth and reality, and you're even, like as a as a cop, you're not even like looking at or giving these artists the benefit of the doubt. You're just trying to like you're looking at something and saying, oh, like ban this artist. Yeah. And I I'm surprised, and I wonder if this happened if this happens again, because um, I'm I'm listening to the Mogul podcast and I'm talking about uh, Luke uh, from uh, Two Life Crew and how he won like freedom of speech. You know, took it all the way to the Supreme Court and won. Um, uh, you know, against obscenity charges, I was, like this could be a free speech issue. Actually, I'm actually going to be. It's going to be interesting to see if this goes into the courts. Like, if this continues to happen, especially if it happens to like other artists who are maybe larger and have more clout and more backing and therefore more legal <laughs> help. <laughs> you know? Tell me, Chef G ain't got a, a, a team of <laughs> of lawyers out there. <laughs> He's got Ernst and Young counting his cash. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> trying to tell me. <laughs> no, it's, and I agree. And it's the idea of where fucking and what's and it's crazy. You bring up Luke because think about it. This is some shit that happened in hip hop shows in the fucking nineties. Yeah. So it's crazy to see like you've got somebody like Kendrick. Like it's crazy to see you have somebody like Kendrick winning these crazy fucking awards, and somebody who could be on a Kendrick album can't even play a fucking show. You oh, know yeah, what I'm saying? No, and that's what's weird where fucking, you know. Yeah. And, and again, like, where are you going to draw the line? Like, like, okay, cool. These these are kind of local guys. And in the grand scheme of things, like, you know, they may not, like, them not playing Rolling Loud, like, might not make that huge impact on the culture. But it could be Kendrick. 
you know, it could be like, you know, and you know, I know like Travis Scott's been arrested at shows before, like other like other artists have been arrested at shows before for like trivial and crazy things. Like where where is this gonna go now? Snoop. Snoop would have been a dude that would have been on that list. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like yeah. like, like in, in like around circ- murder was the case. So yeah. it's fucking his bullshit. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So no. Anyway, fuck that YPD. As usual. <laughs> on to more news, Lizzo. You know, we're all Lizzo fans. I think all of us. You know, particularly, particularly I don't know. people are dragging Lizzo yeah. on, on Twitter. Well, Lizzo, Lizzo's, I think Lizzo's not used to his growing pains. Suddenly, you know, she woke, she was kind of pitchfork friendly, you know, a little, little indie underground, and all of a sudden she's out there fucking number one shows, number one fucking singles, playing fucking The Tonight Show. So it's kind of a, you know, growing pains. Yeah, let's just say. but black women don't love Lizzo, man. Like, well, some black, some. Black women on Twitter, you know, because it's there because they're haters. Because everybody knows that you know, black women tear down, you know, everything that they touch. And I'm gonna get on my Tariq Nasheed right about now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, some I would just want to preface yeah, that. I, th- I think you know, it's, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, anyway. No, yeah. no I, well, I'll put it this way quickly, because in my, my in my opinion, I think is the idea of where any any criticism I've seen from Lizzo, and it's not just black women, it's black people in general, is the idea of where that her music can be seen as a little washed. Yes. But they respect the hustle. Like, I've never seen anybody saying they don't like her. I can see them saying, well, it's not necessarily for me, per se. Yeah. Which is understandable. And like I said, it's, 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 it's a long line of artists, you know, black artists. Like, this is Flowrider, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm there's, no, there's a lot of, you. you know, pop crossover black artists that, you know, definitely more towards the pop side. They're able to do that. And once the boom, they might get played in the black club. I can't hate the hustle. Yeah. Props no, to her. No, no. Yeah. Do not, I'm never knocking Lizzo's mm. hustle. Cute big girl, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so now that she is, I mean, she is the biggest pop star of 2019. Like, in terms of, you know, and maybe, like, Lil Nas X, maybe, but, like, Lizzo has more hits. Yeah. But so, she's the biggest pop star of 2019, and now she's getting uh, some blowback. She's getting people kind of coming for that bag, basically. And, and that's the best thing. It's like, <laughs> that's how you know you made it when you got getting sued. When that, <laughs> when that first process server shows up at your door, as long as it's not related to child support payments, you know that you've made it. <laughs> But uh, you know it, it's kind of and and I and this goes back to uh, I mean and actually it's not even the only case because yeah Juice World also versus Yellow Card of all people it, it goes back to the blurred lines where you know I felt like back in the days meaning you know 2015 you could kind of you know you could. I won't say necessarily plagiarize because that's a heavy word, but it's the idea of where, oh, that was a cool vocal line. Let me grab that vocal line and flip it and make it my own. Yeah. But when you have like, you know, people like, you know, like Miguel, like, like kind of covered their asses because they borrowed a riff from like fucking, like, you know, a small riff of, of Smashing Pumpkins and they've got to give them a songwriting credit. That's kind of where we are now. Yeah. So the idea is like, if anything sounds remotely like anybody else's song, no matter how minute, you've got to cut that check. And so the first thing was uh, CeCe Pennison because she, she borrowed some Mad Libs. Where, you know, and, and you know what's weird about it, too? It, it makes me think of, like, you know, like, look at, look at Dance Hall. How many? <laughs> Dance Hall must yeah. be, they must be, I mean, not to say you can necessarily find a lot of those Jamaican dudes actually in Jamaica. They can be like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> and spit the paper back into a process for his face. But it's the idea of where there's always been a tradition of not necessarily, like I said, it's, it's music feeds music. And melody, there's only, you know, 12 notes out there. You know, it's the idea of where you can kind of claim pure ownership of 
every part of a song, even a small melodic piece, is kind of bullshit, and it's kind of playing up in weird ways. Yeah, and it's just you know it's this weird gray area. So it's like CC Penson like came at Lizzo basically saying like there's like uh, yeah 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 or some, for CC and like and like Lizzo's like yeah 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 or some shit like that, right? And it's like this weird thing where it's not sampling, where it's like a clear cut line where you basically you took a riff <laughs> from a song from the sixties and seventies and like chopped it up and you know there's a kind of a paper trail there. This is like so much nuance. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much just kind of, you know, uh, there, there's such a gray area here. And it's really kind of sad. And again, going back to precedent, you know, like with blurred lines, like now everybody's coming for that bag, um, you know, because interpolation now can be copyrighted, apparently, um, which is, it, it sucks. Dude. Yeah. It's, 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 it's going to, I, I, won't, I won't say it like will destroy music because I, I you know, Lizzo and you know, Juice World are at a point where their lawyers and their label can probably pay up. Um, hopefully, it won't destroy music where people are just like, "Well, I don't know. Like, you know, should I do this? Should I not do this?" But um, it's definitely something now. At all the things as a musician and a creative and a songwriter, you have to look out for. Like, this is an additional thing. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> that you have to look out for. It's insane, and, and it's the idea of where because again, I've been like playing like guitar recently again. And I was listening to something and I was like, oh, this is literally like there was this riff that's like I've heard a thought like just literally four, three chords, yeah. three chords in a row. Yeah. And there's a lot of songs built on three or four chords. Like I said, there's only X amount of notes out there. So for those three or four chords, there's thousands of songs built on, on those same three or four chords. Yeah. There's probably hundreds, if not thousands of songs built where those chords are played kind of the same exact way. Yeah. So all it takes is somebody to kind of hit and all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, that shit's mine. Here, I've got this this demo from fucking 50 years ago, which I wrote that has similar structure. It's something where I think long-term it's going to have to fix itself. And, and I think what's going to happen eventually is, because if you think about it at the end of the day, it's almost like the music industry suing itself. Yeah. So I think there's going to be something where either it's going to be a case or whatever and it'll kind of settle down. But for now, it kind of sucks. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, don't, I don't know. I also feel like, and this is just my personal opinion, like somebody like CeCe Peniston, kind of like also using this as a little PR thing saying like hey I'm kind of still here too yeah and, and <laughs> like I said it's something I, like I said to me there's lines and it's the idea of where cause it's it's fucked up cause I'll read and you know I still read a lot of music biopics and histories and this is how this record was made yeah. and, and it's not unheard of to hear somebody say oh I was at a chick show and, and they were playing this song and I liked the bass line so I went home and did like a, a version of it and then we did this yeah. and now we've got a whole new song and that's why you're talking, you know, you're interviewing to me now because it became this hit record. Yeah. And so like, it's part of being a musician, a musician in general. So it kind of sucks where this is where we're at, where it's like, Oh shit, I recognize that little fucking, those three or four notes in a row. That's mine. I want my check. Yeah. But you know, that's the way the world is. <sighs> On to more lighter news, you know, <laughs> Frank Ocean. I was supposed to say, like, is this no, light? We about, we about to rag on I don't know. I was going to say, because I was just like, I was, that's why I was like, weak ass loud, because I'm like, God damn it, we're just throwing out, throwing out blows. Dude, but yeah. We're, I already told you why I'm bitter. We're, yeah. we're bitter, dude. It's yeah, cold it's, it's, outside. It's, it's, it's fucking. Like, we got to uh, wear sweaters. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, Frank Ocean, you know, genius, you know, auteur, you know, enigmatic man of music himself. Got in trouble because he threw a party. That's all he did. <laughs> Y'all ungrateful Negroes out there can't even can't even enjoy a party without you going to your Twitters 
and on your little Instagrams and all your Facebooks and tearing down the black man. You know what I'm saying? Okay, just let the black man party. So what? He wants to name his party after an extremely overpriced preventive drug for a deadly disease that's basically marketed off people's fears just to make money into big farm as opposed to making it a decently priced product. You know, is that his fault? No. Is it his fault <laughs> that he wanted to bring back New York City nightlife but decided to do that by making basically what it boiled down to a regular ass industry party? Is it his fault <laughs> for <laughs> deciding to focus on queer nightlife and decided to make two of the most queer DJs out there justice? <laughs> Play? I mean, we joke, we joke, we joke. And like, you know, it, to me, it was a swing and a miss. So to get the jokey out of the way, so long story short, Frank Ocean has some new music to kind of go with the new music. He wants to start a new party. He wants to be queer focused. He called the PrEP because PrEP A is a drug that's out there that can prevent HIV transmission. And from his story, he's just like, hey, I know a lot of people in my community, you know, the gay community, and they don't really know about it. So I wanted to make, make, give it, a, you know, some visibility. So I'll make a name party after it, which is very noble, you yeah. know, all, all things aside. And he's like, and I wanted to kind of make it a theme of where what like nightlife would be if it wasn't so commodity, if it wasn't a commodity, if it wasn't for the AIDS, you know, epidemic that kind of wiped a lot of it out in the eighties, if it wasn't for what's happened, you know, as far as capitalism is concerned from that now and then again, very noble. Like he, like, like everything on paper, even though he's getting ragged on it, he had noble intentions that I have no doubt. The thing is at the end of the day, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, look, it's, it's it's a very delicate space, the LGBT space. Um, now that I, you know, just side note, like I kind of work in that space now, and there's a there's a lot of feeling out that that still needs to happen, um, and it is kind of weird too because the AIDS epidemic epidemic was real, and I think some people felt like he was kind of making light of that. He's like, oh yeah, if you all had this drug, like everybody be free. And again, like you were saying, like this drug is kind of overpriced. This drug is very limited. And that's not the case. Even if that drug existed, there's not a guarantee that that would be the case. Oh, it would be wow. If back in the eighties, that shit would be fucking five hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'd have to complete with cocaine and quaaludes. <laughs> um, and then also too, you know, I know there's a couple of people I talked to who were just kind of like this this kid who's from a new, you know New Orleans in L.A. is trying to do this huge New York nightlife party from the eighties. He was not really born at that time, so it's basically like a kid watching YouTube videos or watching um, Paris is burning or something like that. And then going out and like doing that party because they, they think it's cool. So like there, there, there's like that lack of authenticity there as well. Um, and I don't know. I know he, they, they claim to have gotten a lot of people from the community into the building. Uh, but I don't know. So I don't know if you partner with, with like people who are actually in those scenes and in those spaces, but it just didn't seem authentic at all. Oh, you know, and then going back to the idea, because when you said that line, it reminded me of LCD sound system. James Murphy had a great line. Uh, where are we? Little jackets and barrel nostalgia for the unremembered 80s. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the idea. It's, it's, and again, I'm not somebody, you know, as, as a cis, cisgendered, you know, straight man, it's hard for me to kind of point my finger. I would never do that. But the idea, like you said, of somebody coming, coming from the outside and kind of saying, hey, here's what, here's what I feel like it would have been like. It, it requires a kind of, basically, you need collaborators and oh, unfortunately yeah. for him, I don't think he had collaborators. I think it's kind of, and I, I know Poppy Juice was in the house. I think that it's if you had people like that, 
if you had people like Mike Q, if you had people, I always L D X O X O whatever. I forget. I always kill his fucking acronym. Like there's a there's a there's, there is a vibrant New York City nightlife, queer nightlife happening. You know, it's 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 running. It's it's, it's surviving. You know, yeah. it's got to go dip here and dip there. Yeah. But it's the idea of where it would have been nice if we kind of gave that more visibility. If we kind of lended his you know star power where you know. Because the issue with these spaces is not necessarily they don't exist. Is they aren't protected. Yeah. So the idea is the fact of, all right, cool, bam, I'm making this cool party. You know, I'm trying to keep it relatively safe. I got a cool bouncer. You know, it's going to be a lot of queer kids. So I can have little asshole bouncers here fucking trying to test the masculinity. I've got this all fucking set up. And the idea is even when you have all those things together, you've got issues of rent. You've got issues of insurance. You've got issues of nimby neighbors who get mad because a couple of queer kids walk past their house. Yeah. Even though they can't hear the music. And so it would have been nice for Frank Ocean to kind of align himself, I think, if he wanted to really do it right something along those lines as opposed to make a party out of thin air because as you kind of see what ends up being happening is it pretty much is an industry party like like yeah. who's not going to want to be invited to a frank ocean party if you've got to connect yeah no yeah, definitely and, and then being a minority you know is just like you know i get the idea if you want to fill it up to be you know you know queer friendly but you know the, the, the industry is run by a lot of straight assholes yeah no definitely <laughs> both literally sexuality and figuratively yes yes definitely and, and I, I think you know just to piggyback on that point i i almost feel like frank ocean should have stepped back yes and you know maybe found a party in new york and kind of supported that and made sure to give it like whatever money and legal help and whatever um, or like, you know, this not be like, don't have this be a Frank Ocean party to kind of like piggyback on your, your, you know, single release yeah. or your album release or like whatever. And definitely don't just like, if justice is in town and y'all are like coming from the studio, just don't, <laughs> just don't have justice. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I get it. It's, it's, you've got this stadium level EDM like band showing up. So I get it. It's great. Get, but if it totally defeats our purpose, well, the review, <laughs> the review of the party, I, I, I was reading basically was saying that, uh, and I'm, look, I was not cool enough to get an invite. Yeah, me so. neither. You know, <laughs> That's so, why we're that's why we're bitter. Yeah, this is all hearsay. But like the review I, of the party is like you know Justice for the most part was mainly playing their like standard set, and it was like very alienating to people. Like they start you know in their standard set there are some songs like from that era. So like like that song would come on, and then like people who are like you know um, kind of the, the like the ballroom dancers and, and like people from that era, like got on the dance floor, but then they went to another song that was just like a generic EDM song. And then like the dance floor cleared. Mm. So, you know, even if you have justice, that would have been, would, would have been amazing, but you should have been setting the precedent for that artist or setting the boundaries for that artist. Um, and saying, Hey, like you can only play like music Disco, from this era. Yeah. Or like, you know, like, can you make sure it's inspired? Like, can you understand like what this culture is? And like, do a YouTube primer, <laughs> you know, before you get, you know, let them out there. Um, cause like things like that are just things that like, like people in these spaces are fighting against, you know, you know, like all the time, you know, people in the house music space always have to fight against like the EDM space because, you know, black house is way misunderstood. Black techno like is understood and not acknowledged and mainly buried. Now EDM is for the most part, like a white thing. And it was not always the case. It was never, you know, like at the beginning in Detroit and Chicago. So like now you have like you bring these two white EDM artists to perform and perform like their greatest hits. 
<laughs> and it becomes another source of alienation. <laughs> yeah, no, and and and, and Shasta Digitire, she had made a minute made a mention about it where basically, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you could almost make the argument that they could almost be a link there because they're from the French house. Yeah. And a lot of that is is steeped in disco. And definitely Justice is the disciples of Daft Punk. But it's just like they're still not like disco. They're still not music of that era. And like you said, it's the idea of where like any gig you play, any DJ, any real DJ knows that you've got to learn to read the room. It's like, what am I playing? Is this a yeah. wedding? Is it fucking is it a trap party? Is it you know Caribbean? What do you want to have this? Is it a Kensinger? Do I and it's the idea of where they kind of showed up like you said, they play in a quote unquote justice set. It's kind of like, ah, fuck. It's like, I get it. It's And again, it's not, I'm pretty sure as a party, it's fucking fantastic. No yeah. fucking doubt. New Frank Ocean songs. You know, this fucking crazy act Justice is playing. Great vibes. The room is probably filled with fucking stars. Awesome ass party. But for the attention that it was set up to, it's not that party at all. And yeah. I think that... And I'm hoping that with, with kind of like a lot of the criticism he's getting, because there's been a lot of like, I think Vulture wrote it up mm. and it's not just been like people on Twitter that he'll kind of sit there and not take his ball and go home, but say, all right, cool. You'll have a point. Let me hit these people up and let me try to fucking get, you know, let me, let me go hit up fucking ghetto Gothic yeah. because they're very queer focused and try to get them to kind of help me put, put this idea together. Let me go hit up, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of ways he can do it because he's, he's got the power. I would love Frank Ocean to be the savior of New York City nightlife, even though we're throwing darts at him. He's got that power to do so and hopefully he can kind of push that forward. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, new music. New music. Uh, on my end, I'll make mine nice and easy. I've listened to, uh, so there's a band that we like, uh, Sons of Kemet. Mm-hmm. And uh, that same band leader, which I will, I am kind of messing up as a music person, as somebody who's supposed to know his music shit. I do, it's Hutchkins. Give me like his, basically his last name. But anyway, long story short. So since it came out, led by a saxophonist, he's got another side band called The Comet Is Coming. And so basically, the difference between Sons of Kemet and Sons of Kemet kind of draws an inspiration of Afrobeat, a lot of music from the diaspora, Afrobeat, dancehall, you know, jazz to a certain extent. Comet is Coming, speaking of which, kind of comes more from, I won't say EDM, but electronic black music tradition. So you've got a lot of keyboards, heavy keyboard based, but it still bumps. So like on the last, the current EP, like the spoken word guy from, and then there's a lot of crossover too, because like the spoken word guy from Sons of Kemet, Mm-hmm. He, he does a speech also in this record. No There's a lot of bops where, you know, keyboard aside, you're probably going to take in those same songs and put on Sons of Kemet. But um, they had a great EP, I mean, a great record earlier this year. But now they had an EP that dropped called The Afterlife. And, you know, it's just dope. If you like Sons of Kemet, basically, if you like, if you like that vibey, like jazz music, but definitely leaning more towards an experimental electronic side, it's a great listen. If you, if you were out there, basically, way back in the days, you know, Going, going to New York City clubs, seeing bands like Kudu, you know, that's it's, it's right Kudu, up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's what's up. I will definitely check that out. I'm a, you turn me on the Sons of Kemet. I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm actually starting to listen to some more experimental jazz. Next week, I think I'm going to review an album that I just started listening to today from this uh, jazz outfit from Chicago. Um, so, yeah. And I'm actually glad that this whole movement is having a moment right now. So. Oh, you know, it's great. It's enough where it's crazy to see like Pitchfork and Stereo Gum have like jazz columns. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's not like like jazz of what you think of like your your parents' jazz. Yeah. These are like all young, like and it's all, you know, it has that through line of hip hop. Like yeah. it's it's a really great moment for that this type of music. So mm. uh yeah, shouts to them. 
shouts. Cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about the new Danny Brown. Ooh. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Upside down question mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think most people who listen to this podcast know Danny Brown, um, Detroit rapper, uh, been around for now for 10 years. Um, I wouldn't say like hugely popular, but in terms of like the indie hip hop scene, a lot of like indie rock kids like Danny Brown. He's kind of has the skateboard aesthetic. I was just reading today that he was a uh, Fifty Cent wanted to kind of sign him the G Unit. Apparently, yeah, and it's like then they, they saw his jeans, yeah, and they were ripped and, 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 and skinny, and they were like, no, they gave him a whole bunch of the extra baggy G unit baggy pants and bulletproof vest, and, and he was like, nope, I'm gonna keep with my shit. Um, but yeah, that Danny Brown, which actually has one of my favorite memes of 2019, and it's like because you know he's cleaned himself up. <laughs> and it's like when like this the old Danny Brown is like you on like Twitter or, like, or Instagram and the on, the on the other side is like is him cleaned up <laughs> and it's like you on LinkedIn <laughs> which is just facts uh, but he dropped an album like uh, you know what I'm saying uh, executive produced by Q-Tip Ooh. Um, so it's Danny Brown and I'm realizing I was telling you that's the other day uh, like not the other day before this podcast I'm not a huge Danny Brown fan um I actually felt that he was very off-putting. I remember seeing him at South by a long time ago. Everybody's excited. All my friends were excited to see him. And I'm just kind of like, this is boring. I don't like this. But I had to leave the venue. I had to walk. Like, and the venue was like, like there's no stage. It's just him in the middle of the club. And I was like, ah, shit, I want to go. I had to walk in through his set. <laughs> remember that but um so I, I've, I've never been a huge danny brown fan but like the danny brown i like is danny brown kind of over like boom bap because he has this like unique voice and he has this thing where he just rides on this beat and he just like bounces up and down and i think it's really amazing like the cadence of danny brown over boom bap is great so a few years ago like danny brown and, and black milk another uh, producer from detroit uh, they put out a, a collaborative ep which i really loved um and so this album is Danny Brown kind of over hip hop boom bap beats. A little bit experimental. There, there's a few experimental tracks, but like for the most part, it's Danny Brown yeah, it's, over pure hip hop. Yeah, and I'm realizing I'm a fan of that. So uh, yeah, you like your old school hip hop, Danny Brown? Yeah, no, no. I, I like you said, even with the beats, like it's like even the experimental beats, quote unquote, on this album are, are less about like oh we're gonna have him rap over fucking death metal guitars and yeah. Packers Violin, but more like oh these are beat flips that are done just a little differently. It's yeah. Boom bap, but upgraded for 2000. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like there's more change ups. There's yeah. more like you know different tempos and things like that. Yeah. But it's still yeah, it's still like hip hop beats. Yeah. And it, and I think going back to the idea because Q-Tip like again like you said he was executive producer. Apparently he co-produced a lot of the tracks besides the three he outright produced. What I liked about this album going back to the idea of where it's it's boom bap beats, but it's not old. Yeah. It's it's something where it yeah. sounds current. It's something where it's not like oh well, here's an album for you hip hop heads that. You know, I'm still wearing lugs, you know. Yeah. It's an album that kind of still is very, like, you know, it, it sounds very 2019. And for me, I liked it a lot. I will say this much. I feel like it's something where, so I loved it when I first got it. I played it a lot. And then I feels like from that point on, I kind of stopped playing it. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of other weird records I've been listening to. It kind of falls a lot of other weird musical holes. But I, I think it, the reason for me is the fact of where, like, how you said you like Boom Bap, Danny Brown. I like, I think, not necessarily experimental, 
But I like that. I like Danny Brown where he's got a, a more of a concept behind it. Yeah. And like you know, obviously you know it could be it could be hit and miss. Like you had old where the EDM side. Yeah. Versus the regular side, and you know the EDM side was a little bit weaker, but it had some tracks. Yeah. I I kind of get it. I kind of I kind of like my Danny Brown a little bit more. And I want to say unhitched because it's the idea of where Danny Brown rapping about like being on drugs and all this crazy shit, even though he does that on his album too, was kind of a better one. Like there's there's a, there's a cute mania in being insane. Yeah. Enough where I was arguing with somebody on of all places, surprise surprise, the internet, <laughs> where they admitted like they liked 2009 Gucci Mane over 2019 because that they felt like the insanity fueled art. Which is probably just true. Which is true, but yeah. I was like, that's the fucked up, man. That's not his fucking <laughs> life, goddammit. Let that man shine for his beautiful teeth and his beautiful fucking woman. But, uh, but yeah, no, and, and so, like I said, I, I think of this, what's missing for me is the idea of where it felt like, you know, it felt like Q-Tip dropped a whole bunch of beats on him and he went out there and destroyed it. Yeah. But with, with Danny Brown, we already know he's a great rapper. I always hope for something a little bit more concept-y. And actually, I can tell you what it is. I've listened to a lot of Billy Woods. Mm. And so with Billy Woods... Again, he lives in a New York. He lives actually fuck. He lives he lives probably in a very near future New York. Cause I would say it's almost like, you know, because like it's it's the tales he tells are basically, you know, when the economy catches up with all of us for the most part. Yeah. So it's he builds this kind of world and Danny Brown kind of generally builds that kind of world also yeah. over his last records. So it's kind of weird for him to kind of go back to this dropping like straight bangers per se. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I I mean, I understand why people like Danny Brown because Danny Brown was unhinged for a long time, yeah. and I think it was like that was a unique trick to him. And I think, yeah, like this is Danny Brown. You know, like I was reading something about him the other day. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm about to turn forty. This is forty year old Danny Brown. <laughs> 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 Got to worry about his, his, you know, taxes and mortgage and shit. <laughs> so it's definitely less unhinged, um, and it does sound. I wouldn't say boring, but you you could tell it's kind of normalized. It's in the pocket. It's yeah, like it's, it's like I know I've been ra- I've been rapidly rapping my ass off forever. Yeah, these are rapidly rap beats, you know. And again, the, the bars ha- the bars are still thick. Yeah, like oh, yeah. That's what kind of it's kind of weird. It's kind of saying like I don't want to say this. Album. It's a it's still a great album. It's still an album definitely for you guys to listen to and definitely cop. Yeah. The only thing is, if I had to be a greater critique, is that usually he puts a little bit, of, just a, a little dash of the concept, a little, a little yeah, maybe no, it could, be the, could be the idea of where the indie rock kids love him, but there's always a little bit of a dash of a concept there. Yeah. And I feel like this one is just like, nah, let me just get the, the dopest, the dopest, you know, 13 songs, or I can't remember how long the record is exactly, but just let me get the dopest out of these 30 tracks I recorded. Let me get these dope beats. Let me kill these dope beats. Bam, we've got an album. Yeah. 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 So that's it. So you know, on our end, you know, is what do, what do we give it? I give it a I get a I give Danny Brown a firm four out of five Zannies. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I, would, I would rest on four out of five. Four, four out of five Zannies. Yeah. All right. So it's four out of five Zannies for Danny Brown. All right. All right. Catch up with us next time on the Druggy Hour. <laughs> but uh, as usual, guys and gals, thanks for reaching out to us. Thanks for listening. We're back. We'll be back here definitely straight to the holidays because. We have no money and we can't leave New York because it's overpriced and we have to pay rent and it's just that's the way it is. And then Facts. eventually we're all gonna just work and then we're gonna grow old and then die. But then probably not die because they'll probably find a way to resurrect us because we probably also have college debt and they're like, You can't die yet, motherfucker. You still mm. owe us money mm. and it'll be working in mines and like robotic mm. bodies. We're gonna start taking pills, yeah. that'll resurrect us, and yeah. then Frank Ocean's gonna make a party about it. Oh, 
It's like I remember when we used to party in 2019. <laughs> and justice is still going to headline. Justice is still going to headline. It's going to be like Northwest. <laughs> and all the rich kids are like now popping up. <laughs> uh, but on that note, God, we, we love y'all. Thanks for listening and peace. Peace.